it's like the soul knows what's coming and the energies and they work through the mind to try and talk the host out of it because they don't want to be expelled or they like the way things are going the ego likes to be in control and this one thing about this medicine that differs from a lot of the others is as soon as it's inhaled within five ten seconds the ego is going to be pushed out the way and then the process begins mm -hmm. and you know the ego doesn't like to be pushed out the way it likes to be in control it makes a, a very poor master but a good servant and what we need to do is have the heart as the master and the ego as the servant and that's mm -hmm. when things are in alignment when the ego is in control, it's, it's fear-based. So all the thoughts that we identify as our, as our self, as our own, are really just these almost paranoid, you know, fear-based, jumping-to-conclusion thoughts that come from the ego. Hi, this is Tori Madison with the Human Be True podcast. What do you know to be true? If your truth was the truth, to what extent would you live your life? What if the truth you hold within yourself has the power to shape your reality? In this podcast, we discuss ancient spiritual truths and wisdom to elevate human consciousness, restore our identities, and bring us back into balance with ourselves and one another. As your host, I interview gurus, shamans, healers, Truth seekers, rebels, and nonconformists who live their truth daily. My podcast was inspired by the fascinating conversations, strange encounters, psychedelic journeys, spiritual enlightenment, and kundalini awakenings I've experienced over the past 10 years of healing, living, breathing, and walking the path of overcoming great grief and sorrow. I've uncovered healing rituals ancient medicine practices, and tangible tools to awaken my heart to dream again, have hope for my future, and enjoy the sacred breath of each moment. I help my listeners do the same. I offer these podcasts freely, and your support really makes a difference. To make a donation, please subscribe to the Human Be True Substack. Also, I offer one-on-one -on -one vocal alchemy sessions for those who want guidance in expressing their own voice and truth. If you'd like an in-person or virtual session with me, please reach out. I look forward to connecting with you. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Paul Paladin here with me. He is a medicine man, light worker, energetic healer, and he is from London, England, now currently residing in Tulum, Mexico with his wife and a son. And today, today we're going to be diving deep. We're going to be learning more about Bufo, the medicine of Bufo and what that is. And I say it's going to be a deep dive because Paul worked with me just a few days ago and gave me this medicine I sat with him in ceremony and it was deep. It was the one emo the most deepest, profound experiences that I've had. And I am really looking forward to just sharing more of your journey and really helping people understand more about this medicine and what it's all about. So thank you. To thank you. Thanks for having me here today, Tori. Yes, of course. What is Bufo? So Bufo is, some people call it the toad. Um, its scientific name is Bufo alvarius. 
and it's a toad that resides in the north northwest of Mexico and the southwest um, central uh, northern America. So it's a it's a fascinating creature. It um, lives about 20 to 25 years. So they're quite old um, amphibians, toads. Um, not many live that long, and the they have these glands on their neck um, and their, their rear legs. And in this gland, it creates a, a venom that when uh, secreted and dried, um, becomes the medicine of what we call bufo. And once we smoke it, it combusts and it becomes 5-MeO-DMT, which is known as the God molecule. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has a ton of other different um, alkaloids and, and things in it, about 40 different one peptides and things like that. So it's not just 5-MeO-DMT. Another very active psychedelic compound is bufotine, um, which is also found in other things, but it's, it's the only toad in the world that secretes this kind of medicine. How was this medicine discovered? Yeah, there's a lot of speculation to that. Um, the Seri tribe out of Mexico uh, near Sonora, they claimed to have discovered it you know, quite a while ago, and then there was also a, a man from America who was, claims to have been traveling deserts and just trying different kinds of venoms, and he also claims to have discovered it. So it's not, the jury's still out on how it was truly discovered, but there's a lot of theories. Um, you know, perhaps you know, someone cooked one of these toads and a few vapors caught their, their nose and they were like, whoa, that's something different or something like that. Or perhaps they were just guided by spirit on another medicine um, to be like, hey, there's something in here, let's explore more which has happened with other medicines, like the discovery of Cambo was discovered by a, a, a shaman of, a, of his tribe down in, in, I think it was South America, either Brazil or Peru, and his, his uh, people were getting sick from some kind of plague. And so he took ayahuasca and he went out into the forest to get guidance, and the spirit of ayahuasca guided him to this, to, to this frog, the, the giant monkey tree frog, and showed him how to extract the venom and then how to apply it, and his people got better. So... There's often a lot of guidance that, you know, uh, is, is how we discover things. Wow. That's truly fascinating. Mm. So I am new to understanding this medicine. Mm. Um, in fact, you and I, we both met just a few days ago, less than a That's week right. ago at a friend's birthday party. I scheduled an appointment yes. like three days later. I remember waking up and seeing my schedule and I was like, oh, <laughs> have a Bufo appointment today. <laughs> and... Quite honestly, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Right. It was just funny because I felt like I was cramming for a test, like, mm. you know, like a, my, my final exam before, <laughs> before I went into ceremony with you. It was like 20 minutes before it started. I was like, okay, what is Bufo? Let me like, <laughs> let me go on Gaia TV and watch all these episodes about it. And I did. And then I, my heart kind of started to race. And I was right. like, oh, wow, this is like one of the most powerful psychoactive right. substances on the planet that we know about. And I'm just casually set an appointment mm. to try it. Yes. So I go into the session, I go to your house and I was, I was nervous, right? I was yes. just like, okay, what am I about to get myself into? And I remember getting to your house and my mind just wanted to make up every excuse not to do it. So I started mm. judging and I was making all of these like accusations in mm. my mind. And, and I, I felt comfortable with you enough and comfortable enough in myself mm. to say, to, to communicate that to you right. in the beginning before yes. we got started. I remember. And I was just like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. And you looked at me and you said, it's just the mind. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's how and the mind works, you know. It, especially, it's like the soul knows what's coming and the energies, and they work through the mind to try and talk the host out of it because they don't want to be expelled or they like the way things are going. The ego likes to be in control. And this one thing about this medicine that differs from a lot of the others is as soon as it's inhaled, within five, ten seconds, the ego is going to be pushed out of the way. And then the process begins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ego doesn't like to be pushed out of the way. It likes to be in control. It makes a, a very poor master, but a good servant. And what we need to do is have the heart as the master and the ego as the servant. And that's mm-hmm. when things are in alignment. But when the ego is in control, it's, ba- it's fear-based. So all the thoughts that we identify as our as self, as our own, are really just these almost paranoid you know, fear-based, jumping-to-conclusion thoughts that come from the ego. Mm, that's exactly what happened to me. But I w- and I will tell you something that really calmed me mm. down was, one, communicating my fear, mm. communicating where I was at with you, Beautiful. which I think is really important to get that out. And then secondly, when I sat in front of you, and it was just maybe being in your presence, being in your aura, knowing mm. that you've worked with this medicine for a long time or having heard that. Mm. And there was a sense of security with that. But when I closed my eyes and just tried to breathe, I actually saw your light body mm. above you. I saw this this giant, it, it was just kind of like a just your shadow, but it was mm. a, a light. Mm. And then my spirit and soul felt safe. Mm. Can you touch on that? What did I yeah, see? Yeah, you saw my higher self. So, huh. you know, okay. I even before I was called to this work, like I've always been, you know, healing people, whether it's with my words, my presence, my hands, whatever. Um, I just didn't know who I was at that time. But as I went down my medicine path and started to discover more about who I am, um, I learned, you know, that, yeah, that I'm, a, I'm an old soul who's been doing this a lot and I have a purpose here, and my purpose here is to help support my brothers and sisters and, and basically show them the way and live the way by myself and then by example, show them the way. Mm. So mm. we all have a higher self. It's, uh, it's connected to our soul. Um, we hear it a lot, especially here, here in Tulum, higher <laughs> selves and you know, things like that. So until you experience your higher self, you don't quite know it's there. You're just kind of identifying, like I would identify as just Paul um, or you would identify as just Tori when that's just one of the many, probably thousands of names that you've had throughout your existence as a soul. Wow. So it's really starting to um, understand the infinite self versus the limited, you know, uh, temporary self, these skins, these avatars that we jump into. Mm-hmm. So as your awareness raises, um, you will have more experiences with your higher self and start to identify more as that than your human uh, being at this current time. Wow. Yes, I, I want to touch on that. And mm. I also want to talk about the process of, mm. of Bufo and share some of my experience. And then mm. I want to hear more about how you found this medicine okay. and, and just more about your journey and your relationship mm. to the medicine and what you've learned. I'm sure that you can write thousands yes. of books, you know. Yes. And so part of this process, so so one thing that made me feel more safe was communicating my needs. and mm. And then also I saw your higher self. And then you... You walked me through a prayer. Mm. Can you tell me about the prayer? Yeah, I'm not sure where it exactly comes from. Um, I do know it's fallen into the hands of a lot of Bufo practitioners. I got it from my medicine teacher. And um, it's something that when I serve the medicine for the first time, I always encourage them to recite it. 
because it kind of encompasses everything. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, people talk about intention when taking medicine. And had I just given you the pipe and told you to make an intention, it would have been like a one-dimensional, probably, intention. But for the first time, the experience is so grand and so expansive. It's good to cover all of these things that, you know, as beings we experience, whether in this life or all of the other lives, it just kind of covers everything. So I find mm -hmm. it to be the most effective uh, intention for the first for the first time. And then after the first time, I encourage people to make their own intention. Yes. And I wanted to ask you about that because I was like, oh, he's not even asking my, my intentions. Mm. But there was a deeper purpose and yes. reason for that. And yes. I'm really grateful that... Mm that it was an open prayer mm. because had I had an intention, right, of being in a place of not necessarily from my higher self, like mm. I can create all the intentions that I want, Correct. but if I'm not connected to what it is I'm supposed mm. to encompass and learn, mm. then it's it's very one-dimensional. Right. And we're multidimensional beings, yes. as you, yeah. as I very well realized <laughs> yeah. after three seconds into the yes. session. <laughs> okay, so we had the prayer. Yes. And then you walked me through some some brief breathing exercises yes. of deep, deep inhale and yes. releasing. And then you had a pipe with you, and I saw the crystallized form of the medication. Mm. Um, and then you lit that on fire, and then I I slowly inhaled, and I remember you know you know looking at you as you were guiding me through like this slow inhale process, mm. and then I breathed it out. And the last thing I remember was you were like, "Good job," and I was yeah. like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if any, if you're gonna like, you know, die, so you will. Yeah. Like the last kind of words that you want to hear <laughs> as a human being are, is, yes. "Good job." You did it and, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And then, uh, so what? Uh, so, can you tell me the form of, of the venom because they extract it and then it's crystallized? So what is yeah, that? Yeah. So it's like? actually all a natural process. So. Uh, you know, they don't hurt the toad in the process. It has these glands, you know, from nature's perspective to protect itself when a predator comes. It will spray it at a coyote or a dog or whatever that might be trying to hurt it. And to animals uh, like that, it's, uh, it's, a, it's like a deterrent, a venom. If it gets it in their eyes or their skin, and they'll just run away. So when it's, it's liquid, um, it's, it's the venom. But what they do is when they extract it, they hold up a pane of glass and they gently caress this gland and it squirts out onto the glass. And then they literally just dry it in the sun. Oh. And once it's dried, all of the toxins and venoms in it have been removed by the sun and that process of drying. So then it's just in a dry form, ready to be vaporized. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, so I smoked it, and then within three seconds, I heard you say those words, and mm. then I closed my eyes, and I just was gone like yes. I don't really remember what happened I do remember I saw so many things like mm. it's it's almost like I saw my life flash before my eyes as they as they tell you you do mm. you know when you die or something but it wasn't my life here at least mm. nothing that I could remember nothing mm. from my conscious mind here right. but it was almost like I was taken back centuries right. or I don't even I don't I, I really don't yeah. know what I saw and that I just remember there are lots of crazy visuals and then I started seeing three of you mm. and <laughs> 
And then I got scared because mm. I completely lost control. I mm. lost all sense of control from the mind, from the body. And then I just remember opening my eyes and I was just like, where am I? But then there was just like this deep, deep fear that came to the surface. Mm. And what was that? <laughs> so that was uh, an ego death. Okay. So as we were talking about before, the ego likes to be in control. As soon as you inhale this medicine, mm-hmm. it loses that control temporarily. So there's many stages or extremities of the ego death. That was a, you know, like a level one, level two. Um, but because there was, it was your first time and there was a bit of resistance and things like that, um, you, just, you were feeling what was there. It was the fear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ego's main weapon against us is fear. I wouldn't wish that on anyone, to be honest. And I'm very hesitant to like encourage people to take the Mm. medicine because it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. It's like all my fears just like came to the surface Mm -hmm. and, and I really have no other way to describe it except for it was very fearful. Yes. (laughs) Because fear is often irrational. You know, Mm. when you experience irrational fear through thoughts, you know, 99.9% of the time they're not coming true. Right. So it was like this waste of thought, this wasted reaction, this bodily reactions that happened in you. They're all a waste. And it was just a story that your ego made. The only fear that's real is like, okay, a car's coming at me or some kind of imminent danger. And that's where the ego serves such a beautiful uh, role. And that's why it's a great servant because it's there to protect the human body and the human shell. That's its primary function. But when it is in control of our mind it likes to run amok and basically create all these irrational fears. Like you could be walking down a street and a car goes by and you're like, oh my God, are they going to stop and kidnap me? And you know, all of these irrational thoughts come by. But the more you interact and uh, overcome these fears, the more you realize, oh, I'm guided. I'm held up by the light. I don't have anything to fear. Once you go deeper and deeper into these experiences and you experience um, receiving guidance from the celestial voice or a, a higher being of some kind, you start to realize that my life's a script and you know, I need to get out of my own way because all of this irrational fear is it's not how it's going to end for me. There's, it's already written how it's going to end. And I, once I truly under, like, believe to then understand it, to then know it, then all of those irrational fears will be out of my life and stop holding me back. Mm-hmm. That's a beautifully put, very... Mm-hmm. Um, very well said and I experienced that Mm. uh, really for the first time Mm. because once I got past the fear part I mean and it was scary I was like I don't like this I remember Mm. I do remember being like I don't like this Mm. and I don't feel safe I don't feel safe and maybe shaking my head and then I do remember my body like starting to convulse but Mm. before I get into that a really fun part um, I want what you were talking about I uh, did realize the irrational fears and mm. how and how towards the end when I was like coming to mm. um yeah the fear was irrational and I and I was shown just how much energy mm. my body exerts mm. from these this fear that I have in my mind that's not real exactly. or from these situations that I'm partaking in on a daily basis that create a, a sense of just um, discomfort Mm. and I just recognize the discomfort in my body because when I took Bufo and one of the reasons why I personally think that it's a medicine that where you meet death or you meet God Mm. is because the ego is completely stripped like my I didn't have any I didn't have any thoughts I didn't have a body I I didn't um, have any emotions 
all of the negative feelings that I felt or thought mm. or all of like my human worries were completely gone mm. and removed. And I was able to just feel into my body of just like this nothingness. There was just like this mm. emptiness there. And I had no attachment to a person, a place or a thing. I like, I was able to let go of all attachment and I just didn't, and I felt nothing, and maybe it was the nothingness that really scared me. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that can happen. You yeah. Know, the, the medicine takes everyone to a different place because it's just an experience with yourself. Yes. Everything inside of you will then be experienced because everything outside is a reflection of the inside. So as we kind of clean up the inside, it starts to reflect on the outside. So the more we live in fear, the more we're kind of calling in like fearful experiences or irrational fears and we're just kind of staying in a loop, just kind of staying in a comfort zone. And comfort zones don't really help us to grow or expand. So it's by getting out of our comfort zones, we kind of, you know, start to see, you know, analyze like, why is this happening in my life? Why did, why did I lose that job? Or, you know, why did that relationship fall apart? And as the awareness raises, which what Bufo does, it really is it like an instant awareness raise along with vibration and frequency. So everything that's kind of not of that frequency or vibration is no longer a match. So for example, someone might be in a toxic uh, relationship, whether it's like violence or abuse of some kind, but they felt like, oh, you know, I love this person. Um, once they take the medicine, they're gonna have a different perspective. It brings like an immediate perspective shift and be like, hang on, that's not a vibrational match anymore. Like the trauma that was making me kind of accept that as a reality and be like, it's okay, is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So suddenly I'm like, that doesn't work for me. So that relationship's just gonna fizzle away. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately we have to serve the self. It's not selfish, it's, it's selfless. Because as you serve the self, you know, you're gonna become of better service to everyone around you. Wow, that's the complete opposite of the message that I've been told my entire life, Correct. right? It's just yeah. like, no, you need to be selfless. Mm -hmm. But... This is a different Yeah, it's like cause there's, there's, a, there's a very thin line between service and sacrifice. And a lot of us, you know, we, we're you know, programmed to go into sacrifice as good people who want to help others. But sacrifice, if you think about it, it does usually enable the person that you're sacrificing for. You know, when it's service, it's, a, it's, a you know, it's an energy that's reciprocated. The person's going to rise. Like A good example would be like an addict who you care about you love and you know you see these withdrawals that they go through and you're just like you know you got empathy and compassion and you're like and they come to you and they're like oh i need to get my drug or whatever and like you just see them suffering so you're like all right here's them here's some money so in that moment you've sacrificed and you've enabled because you're you're fueling their pattern you're fueling their behavior that's destroying them and but in in the mind's perspective you're like i'm a good person i help them but in the grand scheme of things, in the big picture, you're not helping. Whereas if you went into service, you'd be like, look, this is not serving you, right? I, I have the, the money that could help you get what you need, but it's not what you need. You need to seek alternative treatment or just be strong and make the choice to step away from this yourself. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to meet with a, a situation or an ending that you don't like. And I don't want to support you in that. I don't need that karma in my life. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, they won't like that. Mm -hmm. But that is service. Sometimes people are not going to like, you know, what it is. That's very, that's very true. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I do want to talk about um, what you've seen people be able to heal from on this medication. Mm. I mean, I know that it's very strong. And mm. um, how, I mean, how many people would you say you've served Bufo? It's close to, to a thousand now, I'd say. Really? In the four years I've been doing it. Yeah. So, so with that being said, I mean, what were you, what were you doing on the back end, right? As I was having, honestly, this very traumatizing experience mm. where a lot of my fears were coming to the surface. And mm. I mean, I it just, for those listening, I mean, I was like screaming and I was speaking in other languages. Mm. These yes. other languages came through, yes. which I have given the ability to speak these other ancient languages um, per, probably for about six years now. Mm. I've, I've been able to like access them so um and then my body was was moving and twitching and like my I could feel the energy moving through my kundalini through my root chakra into my sacral chakra and my heart chakra and into my neck and then into my voice and my body was just wanting to make these sounds and and I you know I didn't care who was around, you know, I just, I just, I just was, I, at that point I just completely surrendered to the medicine and I allowed my body to move in the way that it wanted to move. I allowed whatever, well, I didn't even allow anything. It just happened. Like I I act like I was in control. I had no control, but I, I was, there were some points where I was just like a little bit embarrassed of just Mm. like, Oh my gosh, like, what did I just do? Uh, Who, who am I? What, what are the, what are these, these, sounds that are coming through me. And from mm. my ex- perspective, it was sounds just from like ancient India and sounds mm. from the Middle East, or at least that's what I was experiencing in my mind. But what can you like speak into what was what you saw and yeah. what you were kind of doing on the back end? Because you were you were working. Yes. And I felt incredibly safe with mm. you mm. when I was like, okay, I don't feel safe. And you were like, you're safe. Mm. Right. And you both and Stephanie were mm. very present in this process for me. Had you guys not been there, it mm. could have been a whole different story where yes. it could have been even worse. But I I I really have confidence mm. in you that mm. you were able to be there with me to work with these energies mm-hmm. um to move the energies within my body that you know have maybe been i won't say controlling me but just part of this programming yes so can you speak into that yes so you know first and foremost you know this is not a medicine to take alone uh, right. you know some people this medicine may fall into their hands and they'll be like oh i'll just smoke it myself um, that's not a good idea. It's very much a medicine that needs guidance. And, you know, as, as a practitioner, you'll take it so many times that you'll be able to take it by yourself. But for someone that the medicine's come to, it's always important to work with someone who has experience with the medicine, someone who's encountered the toad spirit and is receiving teaching from them directly. So when I start a ceremony, um, I'll usually serve rapé, but you didn't, um, you didn't want to do that. And that, what I'll do first is as I, I'll have my wife serve them the rapé and then I'll smoke my first pipe of Vufo. So I can kind of look into them, look at their energy, see what's going on. Really? And you then, see all of that? Yeah, and then during that process, I'll be removing things. So that when it comes to the time for them to smoke it, they're going to have the, the least you know, difficult experience possible by just removing what I can in that moment. Rapé helps to open them up a bit. Um, I've done it to people in a normal state too, but it's not as effective. Once they're in rapé, the experience, you know, takes their mind out a little bit, so they're more open and I can move energies better. Mm -hmm. So once that starts, you know, we start with the prayer or the intention, and then, 
you know, will light the pipe for them. As soon as they've lit the pipe, I've already prepared a pipe for myself. So I'm going to go with you. It's a connected journey. So this is for a few reasons. First and foremost, it's to expand the vibration of the space and to keep it safe. Interesting. So that, you know, all energies are just going to come to me and come through me so I can send them back to source. So a lot of practitioners just light pipes and, you know, that's not the true way to serve this medicine. The, the shaman or the person that's administering it should have a very comfortable relationship with the medicine to be able to smoke it themselves. So um, once, I, once that's done and they're in their, into their process, I'll just be moving energy, kind of like a conductor of energy. I never know what I'm going to do. Um, when I take the pipe, I go into a channel where I'm not really Paul anymore. You know, my higher self's taken over, and I'm just going to do what feels right. Mm -hmm. And that takes on many different forms, um, whether it's just singing, dancing, moving energy with my hands, putting my hands on their different chakras or hovering them near them to just move, remove, add, you know, all these different energetic practices that have kind of just channeled to me through my work. And uh, another reason is, um, as you can see, it's a difficult process sometimes for people. Um, if you're not on the medicine, you know, you're in the mind. And when you watch someone going through a difficult process from the mind, you can be scared or worried, like, are they okay, or this or that. But when you're in the channel, you can feel everything. So there's none of that worry anymore, of like, oh, my God, are they breathing, are they okay? You just feel everything. It's an interconnected journey. Mm -hmm. And that's also why it's very important to do this with people that, you know, have very pure intention. You know, the, there's no lineage to Bufo. When you comes to something like ayahuasca, you know, this has been passed down grandfather to son to grandson, mm -hmm. and they learn from a young age, and there's an extensive um, program for them to become a shaman. Bufo is fairly recent, and we have a lot of people who, you know, have done it 10, 20, 30 times, and now they're calling themselves a practitioner. And the main thing that's wrong with that is they haven't cleaned themselves. Because it's such an intimate, energetic experience, you know, either through... Um, <laughs> yes, it's very intimate. Yes. So either through knowing or unknowing, they're sharing energies. Mm -hmm. And so for a good example would be like a, a male practitioner who has a female on his mat, but this man hasn't worked on conquering sexual desire. So, you know, thoughts of desire or lust or something are coming through him. These are going to, you know, transmute to her and... And even more insidious practitioners try to project onto them and like, you know, I want you to love me and I want you to be attracted to me and trying to implant things into them. So that's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Wow. So always be aware that, you know, not to judge, but, you know, judging is bad, but analyzing is good. And there's a thin line between it, but just trust your gut. You know, if your practitioner is talking about sex before, uh, before the ceremony, you can be damn mm -hmm. sure then this is probably isn't the guy uh, mm -hmm. to be doing it with. But mm -hmm. if he's talking about love and, you know, he just seems like he's light and, you know, he seems mm -hmm. like he knows what he's doing, you know, trust your intuition, you're probably in good hands. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to meet with you specifically because at the dinner that we had, I mean, we had some conversations and mm. they were, you know, really deep and really profound and really impactful and... And, and I did want to try this medicine um, to, for not only for deeper healing for myself or mm. so that I could step into a deeper, deeper place of understanding who I am as a person, but also just to give 
other people the opportunity to maybe hear this conversation or mm. learn from my experience and mm. be like, oh, wow, you know, this is something that I might want to try in order to break through these these mm. patterns and, and mm. these energies. Yes. And so it is very important, as uh, I would say, who's serving you the medicine because... Um, I felt like, yeah, my energetic field was really open, and yes. I was very, I was very, very vulnerable. Yes. Again, I was crying a lot, and you know, working through a lot of these old traumas, and and I and I feel like some some grief came up for me as well, but but also like, yeah, just things things that I can't explain. Mm. From mm. Y- you mentioned our soul and like yes. our higher selves mm. and that we've had many souls and many lives. Yeah. One soul, but many lives. One soul, yeah. but many lives. Yeah. Okay. And for me, this experience in a way, I felt like I went back in time and yes. I, I saw myself mm-hmm. in many different forms, many different shapes, mm. plants, animals, humans. Yes. And yes. It's real. Has that happened to you? <laughs> yes, it has. You know, when, when the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree and he received his enlightenment, he started to go through and remember all of his different lives. And, wow. And first it was all the human ones and then came the animal ones. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of perspectives on it, um, you know, evolution and such. But I do believe we've all, you know, we're moving up a chain here, a chain of evolution. So, you know, when we awaken and start to clear our karma we're moving upwards but when we're asleep and we're making bad actions creating new bad karma you know we can easily slip down this ladder mm-hmm. so you know i personally remember seeing yeah animal lives and you know bufo is not really the the best medicine to experience your past lives you it, it can happen you'll have flashes and as you did but, you know, it was other very medicines. brief. Yeah, I mean, just incredibly, yeah. incredibly brief. Because it's a very energetic medicine, uh-huh. and it's really, <clears throat> it's hard to class it as a psychedelic because it doesn't really work the same way as most psychedelics, like mushrooms or ayahuasca or peyote or any of the other ones you can think of. Um, they're they're usually kind of very visual, and they have this kind of similar process to it. But bufo is different; it's an energetic medicine. And I think you asked me a question earlier: the kind of people that have received healing from this. Or what type of healing have yeah. people yeah, so experienced on the medicine? This is definitely the most effective medicine for healing traumas. <laughs> so things I can attest. <laughs> yeah, especially like sexual trauma. You know, oh. we get a we get a lot of women and men who've you know unfortunately experienced sexual abuse in their life, and what usually happens is that you know they they experience this trauma and they push it down, so all that energy creates a blockage and it's like stuck in them. And they just kind of like try and forget about it, just like move on with their lives. They might go to therapy and talk it out. And now they don't cry anymore because they talked it out 30 to 50 times. So the emotion's gone. But the energy's still there. So what Bufo does is as soon as you take this medicine in, you know, it's going to reveal, like a magic reveal. Like what energies are there? What's, what's in here? Mm. What's residing right here? Mm-hmm. And when it's trauma, it's literally launched out of you. So, you know, women who've experienced sexual abuse will often scream and let all of this rage that they've felt because of this violation against them. And then once it's out, they just feel so empty and and they're okay with it. And then usually then alchemizes or transmutes into forgiveness and understanding. 
Wow. And, you know, realizing that, you know, the forgiveness is not just for the perpetrator, but for myself first and foremost, because I don't want to hold this energy. I don't want to hold this resentment. It's totally making me a bitter person or holding me back or messing with, you know, healthy relationships I could have. So it usually alchemizes into that and then they're free of it. Mm. And that's one thing I've seen countless times because a lot of, I've worked with a lot of sexual abuse victims and, you know, then I keep track with everyone after, you know, we do our ceremonies. I always stay in touch with people mm. and, and see how their life has, has changed in the months following. And it's pretty unanimous. Um, everyone I, I follow up with, the big changes occur in their life, all positive changes. I mean, from the immediate perspective, it might not be because they might have had a relationship that they thought was good for them, but it fell away. So, but after a few months and time has passed and the old has gone away and the new has been called in, it's, it's unanimous. It's like, wow, it was life before Bufo and it was life after. And it's different. <laughs> and I'm wow. happy. Mm, wow. I had a very profound experience on the, the medicine where mm. I think that it probably was a trauma that, mm. I, that uh, you, you were working to, to call forth and you were mm. using your hands in mm. a way to like move the energy with your yes. hands through my body. And so I, I did remember that it was from my root chakra yes. and there was something there and it was so strong that regularly in reality like I have no idea that this is here Correct. but on Bufo mm. I felt the energy so strong mm. and in a way I felt like it, would, it had maybe been controlling me mm. or inside of me or part of me for a very very long time mm. and I remember verbalizing to you get this out of me what mm. is this I don't want this anymore mm. like yelling and and I, I felt the energy move from my root chakra into my heart and literally out the mouth and I began mm. to like purge not you know throwing up at all but just like you know just you know dry heaving a little bit coughing yes and and releasing the medicine and 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 so I not to my knowledge I have not been sexually abused and I, mm. I think I need to do more processing to figure out what that energy was it could have been grief it could have been sadness it yeah. could have been maybe from another lifetime yes that's more likely you know because <laughs> we've had so many lifetimes everything's happened to us mm. we've murdered we've been murdered you know we've abused we've been abused it's like you wouldn't be here otherwise you know this is a higher state form of evolution in this time mm. so you know if we go back to you know very dark days you know when we looked around at what people were doing all of this violence and horrific stuff was normalized. Your tribe would go into another tribe and beat them to death and rape their women and do all of this. And, you know, we would have partaken in that just mm. because it's been normalized, you know, uh, in that lower state of evolution, not knowing that this is very wrong. So we've all been through a lot. Mm, so mm -hmm. it's hard to truly ascertain when you're on the experience of like, what is this? Mm -hmm. I think I always try to remind people, it doesn't matter what it is, it's gone. <laughs> yes. And, you know, if you know what it is, you'll be thinking of it at the time. Mm -hmm. So people that have had, for instance, sexual abuse in this life, that they'll be very aware of that energy as it's coming out. Wow. But when it's past life, it's a little more difficult to be aware of. And something that's magical about Bufo is it doesn't, and why it's one of the best trauma medicines, you never have to relive your trauma. Mm. Medicines like ayahuasca, oh. they can make you actually relive it huh. and I've seen that in many ceremonies that I've been to where you know uh, someone was sexually abused and now it just sounds like they're being sexually abused because they're reliving it wow and what's that's the beauty of Bufa and why I recommend people to to explore this medicine before something like ayahuasca 
Because as you clear all these lower energies and traumas and samskaras and energetic impressions, like once they're gone, you know, you're, you're better able to kind of work with any other medicine, especially because it really works around fear, Bufo. It's, it's such a, you know, a conquering fear medicine. Mm-hmm. So that once you've conquered fears and you go to these more ancient, difficult technologies like ayahuasca and mushrooms and things like that, the, when, when it shows you something that you're not just like, oh, resistance. No, I don't want to see that. Oh. So as you, you know, journey more with Bufo and then you go to the other medicines, you're, whatever it might show you, you're just kind of more of a witness and you're like, oh, okay. Mm. A shadow dead baby in the ground. Mm, okay. Oh, there's a skeleton monster over there. Oh, I know you can't hurt me. Okay. <laughs> so there's none of this like panic and resistance or if it uh. takes you through some cycles of birth and death and... You know, you're just kind of like, okay, I get it. Surrender. Surrender is the name of the game. Yes. Yes. And I tried to surrender. And, but I felt like there was still some resistance. As, Mm. as mentioned, I didn't have control and just what was happening was happening. Yes. And part of me is like, man, I wonder what would have happened if I would have just surrendered more, would have had so many screaming episodes, would I have had like these massive like movements within, you know, my body. But looking back, it's like, look at me, I'm trying to like judge my experience, <laughs> but I'm, I am trying to analyze it because it just was, yeah. it was so interesting. Yeah. I think what you should do is, you know, look at it from the perspective of, you know, one, that's your first experience It's a technology. You have to learn how to work with it. You weren't aware in the moment you were resisting. You were just doing your best under the experience. And often the first couple of times, we're going to see a lot of movement. Mm. We're going to see like, you know, vibrations, shaking as energy. These blockages are getting like fluttered out like a butterfly's wings. Mm -hmm. And then just this need to move. Now, although that can be conceived as resistance in the first couple of sessions, it's really just like a necessary process. Wow. And later on, once these you know, vibrations and, and flutterings have, have, you know, done done with, that energy's come out, it becomes more of a serene, surrendered process where someone will just lie back and merge with the light and receive mm. guidance from above or whatever beautiful celestial thing it may be. Mm. But in the beginning, there is a lot of movement. Even in my own story, when I first discovered the medicine, I was a big-time mover. Wow. Um, it How was, did you discover the medicine? So it was probably about eight years ago. I was, you know, I'd never taken a psychedelic in my life and I'd always fallen for the propaganda of like, oh, they can make you mentally ill and like, you know. I, I want to talk about that after that. Yeah. And I'm, so I was just like scared. People would offer me mushrooms many times in my life. I'm like, no, I don't want to do, I don't want to see cartoon characters or try and offer me acid. And I'm like, you know, just seen some kind of propaganda on it where I was just like, no, no, it's not for me. Um, but then, uh, you know, I kind of met a wall in my life. Uh, first, I discovered MDA, which is like MDMA, but without the methamphetamine molecule. And when I experienced that, I had like a, an awakening and I could feel other people's energy. I could feel their thoughts. I was super connected to them. Me and my, wow. me and my friend would just like go out uh, in California to, to bars, take this. And like people would just swarm around me coming to me like a moth to a flame to get advice or to talk to me and to be in this energy because again it would it would raise my vibration and it would just create this love just oozing out of me and people were just drawn to it Hmm. so I kind of realized oh there's something different about this so shortly after that I uh, kind of found a, a wall in my life and my wife had some traumas and 
I was like, we need to do something about this. And I remember seeing a documentary on, uh, on Netflix or something, and it had ayahuasca on it. And I remember watching it and being like, I'm never doing that. That <laughs> looks awful. Like, you take this dark liquid that tastes disgusting, and then you end up vomiting on it and go, going God knows where. No thanks. Um, but then it was a few months later, I just kind of realized... Um, we had this windfall of money come in and I was like, okay, we got to do something cool with this. Um, let's go to Peru. Let's, you know, let's go take ayahuasca and like heal from our traumas. <laughs> I so, love that that was the first response yeah, of the, and yeah. the money that comes through. Okay, Peru, ayahuasca, yeah. let's heal from our trauma. I mean, ladies listening, can we, can we please ask for a man who that's the first thing they want to do is to heal from all their traumas yeah. <laughs> together, which I think is so beautiful. Yeah. Cause I, I think in my own life, there was some traumas. I came from a dysfunctional family and my mother passed when I was quite young. So there was definitely some unresolved issues that my kind of higher self was aware of. Mm. And um, so I went to ayahuasca and, you know, I went through some difficult experiences. And, but I knew there was something more to it. It wouldn't work with me too well in the beginning. I went for my first two or three ceremonies and, you know, barely anything happened. I could struggle to keep the medicine down. I had such a weak stomach and it would just purge it after five or ten minutes and then mm. have to drink it again and be like, oh, my God, this is awful. <laughs> And then I just fell asleep on another one and woke up and like, I was like, what was the experience? And then I wake up and everyone's like spiritual dancing and joy and I'm like all jealous, like I, ugh, I've come here and it's been awful. Um, but I kept at it and then, you know, on my third ceremony, I finally had, you know, a very powerful experience and, and we did ayahuasca three times in 24 hours and it was on my fifth one that it finally took me into the most mm. deep experience I've ever imagined. And uh, it was very difficult. I went through probably a hundred deaths and rebirths and spiritual surgery, and I'm just paralyzed the whole time. And it took me about a year to integrate that, to get the, the bravery to go back to it. Oh. Um, because if you don't have someone good guiding you after an experience like that, um, you'll go through a lot of like mind attacks and like, oh my God, have I screwed myself up? What, what doors have wow. I opened? All of this like paranoid thoughts. But I, I knew that that was just the mind and I'd already seen on ayahuasca that there's a lot more than meets the eye in life. And I mm. wanted to know more. I'd already discovered so much about the physical world. I was like, I need to know more about the spiritual world. So I just kept at it and uh, probably went to ayahuasca 40 times. Um, and then I felt like my work was done with it for then. And I'm like, well, I've got to try out the medicines. And so mm. I experimented with mushrooms, peyote, San Pedro, Yopo, and all of them, NNDMT. And But none of them really, they were expanding me, they were helping me, um, but I still couldn't leave my older self behind. I'd still hmm. kind of fall back into my patterns. And then um, I kind of met a wall again, and I'd heard about Bufo. And I was like, oh, it's the most powerful, let's give it a go. So I, I went and gave it a go, and the first time I, I was given a dose, I kind of it went back a bit, but then just jumped up in resistance. Oh. And started walking around this woman's place and just like, whoa, this is weird. This feels alien, but I like it. <laughs> and I was like, it was like this weirder side of me because I wanted to pick up her stuff and throw it. And like, and she's like, no, don't throw my stuff. And I'm just like, ah, whatever. It's just stuff. Um, wow. So, but I knew something different. I, I, I felt many big changes in the weeks that followed. And I was like, I've got to go back. So I went back again and she gave me a dose, a bigger dose. And this time, all the trauma, well, not all, a good part of the trauma from my mother's passing came out. Mm. And 
the spooky thing was I wasn't aware of it because I could talk about her passing with no emotion. Right, right. Like, right. I, I could almost, like, say it with a badge of honor. Yes. But then... <clears throat> All of a sudden, Bufo just took me to this place of absolute sadness and crying. And these two mm. practitioners were just comforting me. And it was such a beautiful experience. And I just went to the light after and just felt like I'd finally, you know, been done with it. So went back about my life for a bit, but kind of realized, like, I need to find someone who's really experienced with this medicine. Um, someone, somewhere I can take it many, many times. Mm. Um, so a couple of weeks later, I had a dream about a man that I'd meet who would be this man and unlock me. But six months went by, I kind of went back into the matrix, just trying to, you know, work a job, support me and my wife and things like that. Um, but then I just kind of like reached a wall again. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I need, I need more out of my life than this. Mm. This is just such a, a looping existence. So I started looking online to find, you know, uh, a retreat that would kind of offer Bufo in a more intensive fashion. So I went to, I found the place. I looked in Costa Rica. I was like, oh, this guy doesn't feel right. There's too much ego there. And finally, I found this one guy in Mexico. And I went there for five days to heal. Um, but after a few days, I was like, wow. I'm starting to facilitate. <clears throat> Just when I take the medicine, I'm connecting to other people and, and feeling like, wow, I can, I can help them. Mm -hmm. So I ended up staying there like three months with this guy becoming his apprentice and just working on people every day, working on myself. And he helped to clear me out. And, you know, I took medicine probably five, six, seven hundred times there or more. And, you know... I'm cross-eyed right now thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. It does get better, though. <laughs> That's what it is. Some people take to it like a fish to water, but others, mm -hmm. they, need a, they need to go through this more of a transition, more of a clearing. And, Absolutely. And, and to really get comfortable with it, because it's such a surrender medicine. Absolutely. Wow. So... And you were with this man, and um, you took it every day, just yeah, like in small day, yeah. doses. So how, what was the dose that I gave? I probably gave you about 80, 80 90 milligrams. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, a medium to larger dose. Okay. But, you know, I've done doses as high as two, 300 milligrams. Um, when You've I take taken it. those? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what would you say are the experiences on the higher doses? In comparison to the yeah. lower ones, and it, I mean, yeah, it seems like it would there be like a tolerance and a buildup and a technology, and you learn to work with it. But. Yes, you know the the interesting thing about this medicine is there's no tolerance. Like it's not like something like marijuana or uh, mushrooms, where if you take it one day, the next day you take the same dose, it would be uh, less because your brain's got used to it. It doesn't work on that level. So huh. there's no tolerance to build up, although there is like an ability to work with it, which could come across as a tolerance. Hmm. So when you see me work, like I'm taking full doses, sometimes as big as or bigger than what I'm serving, but I'm not going into a process or needing to go on my back or out of control. Mm -hmm. I'm always in control, always there. And that took me, you know, probably 100, 200 times to get mm. to that space. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe on, on microdoses, you can always kind of control it. But on, on, when, you, when you take full doses with someone, you can do the most impactful work. And, you know, not many people can handle a full dose and still work. But this is what I learned from my teacher. And, like, this is how he does it. And he's definitely channeled the right way to do it. Wow. Um, and so you found him and it was in Mexico. Yeah. What part of Mexico? In Merida. In Merida. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 
and what was your wife doing at the time? Was she just like, okay, babe, go yeah, have yeah, fun with Bufo? She, yeah, like... she was like, you know, we were at a tough place in our relationship and she's just like, you know, you need to go do your healing. You've, you know, you've kind of sacrificed a lot for the family, doing things that you don't want to do. But, you know, I've seen how Bufo works with you. You need to go explore it more. So she was very supportive and mm. she, she, I was only meant to go for five days. So, but then she kind of saw the changes in me as I stayed she's like, this is a good thing. Like, mm. I'm going to support you through this, mm-hmm. so, which I'm very grateful for because yeah. I needed it. I wouldn't be who I am now without it. Mm-hmm. And so what type of lessons and teaching did you learn from the from your teacher? And what, what was a day in a life be like for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was like being a volunteer there and, you know, being his apprentice. It started off just kind of like, you know, helping out because he... He had a, he'd taken on a lot, you know, this big hacienda and with huge grounds. And, you know, he was his wife was doing what she could, but they had three kids. And so he just needed help. And he was kind of at the beginning of his uh, of his opening his retreat. So I just kind of filled in the gaps. You know, I'd clean the pool, do the washing up, like just, you know, be of any service I could. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of learned that, you know, whenever we wake up, whenever we go to sleep, we're like going through like a form of death. And then we wake because we become disconnected. And then we wake up and we're reborn. And, you know, there's days I'd wake up and be like, well, I feel great. And then there's days I'd wake up and feel like I'm not great. And I realize we have to connect every morning. I'm so glad that you said that because after this medicine, like the two days later, I woke up and I just, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. It's like, I I don't want to wake up sometimes. And even before the medicine, like I just, I'm able to go to these deep, deep places in my sleep and when I wake up in the morning, yeah, I am disassociated and disconnected from my body. I'm in this dream state. But when I wake up, I start to physically feel my body. Mm. I start to feel the uh, anxiety mm. or fear of the future mm. or anticipation of the day. And right. sometimes I just lay in that and it's so, it's like super uncomfortable, very dis- uncomfortable. Mm. And I just lay in that. And I, I've spent a lot of time just laying mm. in it because in my mind like it's it's a form of, of depression but and and even before you know right when my brother died mm. it was like he would I'd wake up and I'd go throughout my day and at the end of the day I accepted his death mm. and I'd go to sleep mm. and I'd maybe have dreams about him maybe not mm. or, very, or sometimes very real dreams where I feel like he was very much present with me and I felt the same feelings of joy and happiness mm. and love and, and then I'd wake up and then I would just be like, ugh. And it's like you just have to start all over again, mm. like every single day because those those feelings would just creep back right. in. So it's an, I'm really glad that you said that because I'm like, man, like what's wrong with me? I noticed yeah. it particularly strong after Bufo. I was yeah. like, ugh, like I'm a human. This yeah. body's really heavy. Like, yeah. I'm feeling so much. Yeah. Yeah, it can go either way. Like when you take the medicine, like some people wake up the next day and they're just like, wow, I've been reborn. I'm in the light. And the other way, there's still things seeping out because Bufa mm-hmm. works for you for many weeks to come after you've taken it. Um, so it's really just what your process is and honoring it. But one thing I learned through my process was that every day when we wake up, because we've been reborn, we're also disconnected and we need to connect to spirit again. Mm-hmm. So we need to do something of service or connection in the morning. So for me at that time, it was like, it was very much a story of humbling for me because I, I was very proud. You know, I thought I deserved a lot, you know, that, you know, all these kind of feelings and I felt like God wasn't doing this for me. So I had to go through this humbling and like, you know, so it started off with cleaning. I had to be a cleaner. 
So I was like going through this humbling process. So I just put my spiritual music on and I'd just clean. And by cleaning and singing and dancing, I would reconnect. And I was like, oh, wow. So this is how you connect. So it's anything like what, you know, some people use yoga, some people go to the gym, some people can wake up, sing and dance, some people can just do menial things like cleaning. Wow. Okay. But it's just about action, taking an action yes. that comes from the heart to be of service, either to yourself or your environment or anyone that's mm -hmm. around you, and that'll connect you. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you're connected, once you're connected, everything's flowing again, you're back in alignment. Mm -hmm. So it was just a... You know, going through all of that and, you know, I was just helping uh, my teacher, you know, he would, he would obviously take point on it all and I'd just like, you know, be learning from him. There was no like, oh, here's the manual, here's the book of Bufo, you know, <laughs> this is how you do it. It's like, just watch me, watch what I do. And then through it, you'll find your own expression of how to serve the medicine. Oh. And that's exactly what happened. And especially after about two months, six weeks or so, I kind of lost my fear of the medicine and I was like, okay, I'm going to just start taking big doses by myself. So I started doing that and doing that. And then lo and behold, probably in my 10th, 15th time of taking very big doses, I saw the toad spirit come to me. And mm -hmm. he's like, wow, okay. He's like, look, I'm going to teach you how to do this. I'm going to teach you how to move energy. I'm going to take this projection out of you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So it, it was at that point I developed a relationship with this toad spirit. And it would be guiding me on, on how to improve my practice to better serve people. Mm. And you call it a toad spirit. Yeah, because behind every medicine there is a, a spirit, like a deity that's been that's behind it, like mm. the higher self of the medicine. Okay. So, you know, in, in ayahuasca they have Mother Ayahuasca. The people have reported, you know, uh, that comes to them or they go and have a sit down and some kind of exchange of wisdom or healing energy or something like that. So behind these medicines they have these spirits. So I met the mm. toad spirit. I met the Cambo spirit. I've met mother ayahuasca. Wow. You know, I've seen, um, some of the ninos, the, the spirits behind mushrooms. So as you open up more and you're able to receive more, you can experience more from these medicines. Mm. They just compound as you expand. Wow. And even now I've taken Bufo many thousands of times. Um, it's always somewhat new. It's always a different experience. Mm -hmm. So, and it's different if I take it uh, for myself, by myself, in my own energy, or whether I'm serving someone in ceremony. It's, it's mm -hmm. very different. I have so many questions, mm -hmm. but we've been chatting for quite some time. Um, so a few things. I want to talk about addiction. Mm. And I also want to talk about religion because I think mm. a lot of fear that came up for me had to do with my religious past. Yes. I was an evangelical Christian. I was yes. a missionary in Nepal for mm. some time. And so I did have the thoughts of, oh my gosh, I was in the middle of this experience having taken this medicine mm. and I was like, what did I open up? Mm. What channel, mm. what did I invite in? Because I was told by, you know, pastors or Christian leaders that, oh, you don't want to meditate because when you meditate, you don't know which spirits are going to like mm. come through to you. Mm. And so, you know, there is still, there was a lot of that fear that I had. Right. And so what would you, what would you say to someone who is maybe like religious and like uh, afraid of these alternative medicine practices yes. or afraid of these plant medicines? Yeah. I mean, I, I myself grew up in a, in a religious family and, you know, I, was in a Christian background and, you know, I always had a, a strong faith and a connection to God. Even as a very little boy, I just felt very connected to God the Father and I believed in it all. But as I grew up and I kind of 
got turned off by churches and these church gatherings, I'd always like be able to read the energy and look at the people mm. or the pastor and be like, well, he's not that clean. You know, and he's telling us what to do and he's acting like he knows everything, but he doesn't. So religious, religion serves a purpose. It's like an entry level into, into spirituality. Mm. And I would say these medicines are a path to spirituality because you are connected to spirit. So I've worked with many people with very, you know, stiff religious backgrounds like Mormons and, and, mm. and people who follow Islam and things like that. Have and, you? Wow. Yeah, and the problem I have with religion is there's a lot of projections, you know, about like demons and evil spirits and things like that. And when, and projections can stick. So, you know, one thing the medicine will do is take out projections. So sometimes you might experience your projection on the medicine because it's being removed. But really, everything you see and feel is contained within you. You have the mini version of the universe inside of you. So um, I think, you know, the religion will only serve people so far. And there'll come a time where they'll really want to connect with spirit. And, you know, although religions do a lot of great work and, you know, they congregate people and they, um, they give to the poor and they do these amazing drives, they also control and they're also, you know, very um, misguided in some of their projections. So by me experiencing the truth through my own deep work, I know that. But everyone needs to experience that for themselves. And I would say, you know, you know, we're all going to die one day. And, you know, it's better to kind of have an idea. I mean, that was actually one of the main reasons I got into the medicine. I was like, <laughs> if I could know how to die, then maybe I can know how to live with the time I have. And that's kind of exactly what happened. And wow. somehow I knew that by going to ayahuasca, there was going to be some kind of simulated death. And again, bufos like that. It does feel sometimes in the beginning like, oh my God, I'm dying. It's over. And it's just a trick of the mind. It's the ego mm -hmm. that's temporarily dissolving. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would encourage everyone to do your own research, be careful of projections, especially uh, religious ones, because... Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're an organization, a mass organization that are just trying to kind of create a one size fits all for everybody. Um, whereas, you know, every soul is unique and has been through different incarnations and things like that, you know, and I myself, you know, growing up in a Christian background, when I heard of reincarnation, I was like, that's a bunch of Indian mumbo jumbo. Um, but then having experienced <laughs> it on the medicine and now it's transmuted into a knowing you know, I know it for myself, like, it doesn't matter to me if anyone else believes it, or if they, you know, hear these words or whatever, because everyone needs to experience things for themselves. It's only through experience can it become knowing. Mm. And knowing is the highest form of wisdom. It's the inner knowing. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you mean by projections? So projections are like opinions. Okay. All right. And, you know, so you could be wearing a dress, right? And you think it's beautiful. And then you meet this friend and she's like, Ugh, your dress is disgusting. <laughs> right and you might be self-assured and all of that but now all of a sudden it's playing in your mind you're like well if she doesn't like it it's like judging your own belief system by others opinions so everyone has an opinion right and then when they give us this opinion it either passes through us or it sticks so when it sticks it becomes a projection that we've taken into us oh thank you for that yeah wow yeah that's okay and they're dangerous they're very dangerous Okay. So that's why I encourage everyone to not try and learn from other people or books, but to learn by yourself through channeling, through, mm -hmm. you know, medicine experiences, through meditation. I mean, the fact that religions say that, you know, when you meditate, 
you're going to invite kind of spirits into you is just it's just pushing you off the true path i mean there's nothing more natural than sitting absolutely still and just breathing mm-hmm. and these are you know above all psychedelics you can have the most profound prolific experiences um in hinduism they call it samadhi the highest state of consciousness that you can achieve in buddhism it's called um nirvana so these are only achieved by staying extremely still and breathing very gently for mm. long periods of time but most of us never try it enough to get mm. into that state but you can have more profound um experiences uh, than the medicine sometimes just through meditation mm. so for people that are you know 100% anti medicine i i say do breath work and and you know and, and meditate mm. um but better to do both in wow. my opinion wow what would you say for about um, addictions and patterns mm. and programming? Yes. So that's another thing. Because, you know, I, I, f- I feel like maybe some people who listen to this, like, oh, this is, he's just, you know, a drug addict. and He's just replacing mm. his plant medicine with, you know, mm. cocaine or, or whatever mm. drugs mm. it may be, you know. Mm. And so um, what would you say? So first of all, I'd say we have to categorize between medicines and drugs. And, you know, I was working with a Mormon recently and he was like, he'd never touched a cigarette, he'd never drank a drop of alcohol. And, you know, he's now in his 50s and he's coming to take his first medicine with me. And, you know, for him, he's like, aren't they all drugs? And I'm like, okay, let's start defining this. You know, drugs are things that you take that create a dependence upon and then the next day you feel not so good. So you're drawn back into the cycle, like whether it's, you know, marijuana or you know, cigarettes, you know, all these things create a pattern where, especially cigarettes, that's a good one to use as an example. Um, when f- people first start smoking, it's so alien to them and disgusting. They have to condition themselves, you know, with five, 10 or 20 cigarettes before that addiction takes root. Even alcohol. Yeah. Even alcohol, alcohol. tastes disgusting. Exactly. Wine, exactly. It's like a, an acquired taste. Yes. And alcohol is another great example because, you know, you drink it and it, you know, shuts down your prefrontal cortex and suddenly your inhibitions are gone, but also your memories are gone. You might black out, you might not remember what you did. And the next day you'll wake up and experience what people call a hangover. So my, def- my, my kind of rule of thumb definition of a drug versus a medicine is how are you the next day? Are you better off or are you worse off? Mm-hmm. So anything that's like, I think marijuana is a, a good example for like a cycle of dependence because you'll smoke it, it will dump your dopamines and serotonin you feel good, but like you wake up the next day as a heavy user and you're like, oh, I feel like shit. I got to have another one. So you mm. kind of create this dependence of like, let me have another one, another one. And it just keeps it going. So addiction really comes from a trauma. It's some, there's always something when I work with people with addiction, um, you know, it kind of works on three levels, the, the mental, the physical and the spiritual. Mm. Um, so I use Cambo to address the physical. Because, you know, things like cigarettes or marijuana, you know, they have a lot of adulterants in them, um, chemicals that we would never want to intake into our body. So when we're coming on the withdrawal of these things, we can kind of blame the, the main ingredient itself, but it's not really the main ingredient, it's all the additives. Like with cigarettes, there's 5,000 additives like formaldehyde and cyanide and all these things. So when you're coming off it, your nervous system goes into absolute overload. So instead of like enjoying cigarettes, you're really just kind of like, oh, I need to take this pain away. Mm. So, you know, with Cambo, it can help to kind of cleanse those adulterants out of your system 
so mm-hmm. that you know now you're going without and it's not as excruciating mm-hmm. to do that and for those listening combo is also from a frog it's from a frog yeah this mm-hmm. one uh, it's not a psychedelic it's just a medicine we use to cleanse that comes from the rainforest mm-hmm. um so then and that one's a lot of purging a it has a lot of purging yeah we apply it to the skin and it's a very uh intuitive medicine that will move to different parts of your body it breaks the blood-brain barrier and it can just go anywhere it needs to go in order to accumulate toxins heavy metals chemicals and then bring them back to your stomach so you can purge them out wow it's the only thing i know of in the planet that can clear heavy metals out the brain so it's it's a very important medicine in terms of consciousness because you are consciousness so everything you're seeing is either adulterated or purified. So once it's purified, your vision will actually change. How you see the world, the luminosity, all these different things, mm. just from Cambo, because all the adulterants have come out. Wow. So once we clear them with Cambo, we'll then work on the root cause of why they've been self-sabotaging, because that's what addiction mm. is. It's basically self-sabotage, a, a slow form of suicide, whether known or unknown, from the conscious or the subconscious. So usually um, with the people I've worked with with addiction, there's usually some trauma from childhood or adolescence that caused them to go into self-destruct. You know, sometimes it was just peer pressure or just trying to fit in and things like that and the addiction caught hold. But most of the time there's like a a deep wound that they Mm. were trying to self-medicate with uh, a poison rather than a medicine. Mm. So people that you know self-medicate with alcohol or cigarettes or cocaine or heroin or opioid pills or whatever it may be, they're really just trying to kind of like you know soothe this trauma, whatever it mm. may be. And once that tra- once you give them bufo, we're going to find out what that trauma is or whatever mm. that trauma is is going to come out. And with some people, it's very um, clear like it was a bereavement or it was child abuse or something and you know they'll scream it out you know and mm-hmm. whatever it might have been and then you, you can as the practitioner you can feel it coming out of them it's like like a like a foot coming out of the shoe you know and like that energy has now been released from that, <laughs> that wound so now mm-hmm. it can actually heal right right and um yes so very effective for, for addiction. I lost my train of thought. Yes, yeah. for... Uh, yes, yeah, so... I completely lost my train of thought in mm-hmm. speaking with you. Interesting. Yeah, so with the these addictive patterns, I mean, oh, yes, I want, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Um, I was like, before I could move forward, my brain was like, wait, no. Um, what about, like, from a past life, you know? Because mm. I, I know parents of children who have died from Mm. addiction Mm. and suicide and Mm. the parents just have so much guilt and want to blame Mm. themselves and like well what trauma did they have i didn't know that they were so Mm. miserable Mm. but it's not necessarily always like a very strong physical thing and as you mentioned it could just be peer pressure it could just be lack of self-identity lack of self-worth lack of understanding who you are as a person in the world and just trying to fit in like we're told that we should be so many different things yes you know and it's just like who are we at the end of the day and, and just trying to navigate that is just yes. <laughs> in itself is very oppressive it and, and challenging. So, yeah, they, they say we all have a time, you know, and when people come to Bufo, we say it's a calling. They won't be on the mat taking the medicine unless they were called. 
Mm. And I believe that because, you know, I don't advertise my work or anything like that. And everyone who's come to me has come through, you know, the field, the recommendations, the people that I've worked from, or just the calling and through synchronicity of random meetings with me. So, you know, some people, you know, they come in transient lives, you know, they, they die as children, they die as adolescents, you know, they never had a chance, so to speak. That was always one thing where the, the whole Christian one life kind of philosophy never sat well with me. Because mm. it was like, what about all these babies that are dying? It's like, what, they just go straight to heaven and get a free pass? Well, everyone else has to like struggle through, and, <laughs> you know, or, they, or they're just left behind. It doesn't make any sense. So it made sense to me, you know, from a logical level even that, you know, this life thing is very complicated and we need a lot of tries at it. Mm. So, you know, to the parents that have lost children like that, you know, I just, you know, my my compassion goes out to you, but, you know, everything is perfect design in this life, in this planet. And it, it's hard to see without the right awareness, but just surrender to that fact and anyone we've lost, you know, they're coming back in some mm. shape or form and, you know, they're going to have a, another chance. It, it's mm. endless life. It just, mm. it's a, the infinite self. It keeps going. Um, mm. So anyone that's going to, you know, really want to get help, especially now with the internet and the sheer amount of awareness around these medicines, they'll, they'll find it. The people that are meant to find it and call to it, they will. Mm. And they will heal because they've been called to it. They've been called, yes. Yeah. So I have two more questions for you. Mm. The first one is, what has been the biggest lesson that Bufo has taught you? Self-love. Definitely self-love. Because, you know, there's a lot of good people in this planet, you know, more than people realize. But um, the good people tend to take it out on themselves. They, you know, they help people with some subconscious desire or expectation that they'll do the same, reciprocate or pass it on. And going through this many times, because a lot of people just take what is given, they can end up just kind of like, you know, not honoring themselves, not loving themselves enough. And, you know, we, we all look in other people to complete ourselves. And one thing Bufo taught me, um, you know, I was blessed enough to have a beautiful, loving mother and, you know, taught me unconditional love uh, on, on that receiving end. And then mm -hmm. I was blessed enough to meet a woman uh, that loves me and I love. And, you know, again, I was like, wow, this is great, but it's not enough. You know, there's something else missing. Wow. And then I was blessed mm. enough to have a child and experience giving unconditional love. And even that, it's so completing and it's so amazing, but it still didn't do it for me. It was only when I found the self-love that I was able to love them properly. Because mm. if I don't love myself properly, there's no way I can love anyone else properly. Mm. So it really just does start with the self. So the ultimate thing Bufo taught me was you know self-love and in, in an addition uh, stamp on the on top of it just that life's infinite so don't worry mm. beautiful and that was a very um really impactful moment for me that i had mm. because i mean my story did get better with my bufo journey mm. right it started yes. out in complete fear and terror mm. and what have i done and mm. oh my goodness and this is death and my mm. human yeah. <laughs> i'm not here um and then but Ultimately, the lesson for me was 
love. And I Mm. cried and I cried and I cried. And Stephanie was there next to me. You know, I remember her holding me Mm. and, and, you know, saying it's going to be okay. Mm. And just like as, and allowing me to just to cry for all the moments throughout this Mm. life and other lives where it wasn't okay. Mm. I think I remember screaming, it's, it's not okay. And you guys Mm. were like, it's okay. And I was like, no, it's not okay. (laughs) And maybe I just been told that over and over and over again Mm. so much in this life and in other lives that it was okay when really in that moment, what I was experiencing and feeling was not okay. Mm. And I was never able to vocalize that and express that in a way that felt safe to me. Mm. Um, And so, and also just, you know, was a deeper sense of self-love and I did recognize how much love I don't give myself. Mm. And I still, even in the prayer, I remember Mm. in the prayer that you read me in the beginning, you were like, I am deserving of love. Mm. And I couldn't say that with those words. Remember I paused and you, and you looked up from your phone of the, (laughs) and you looked at me in the eyes and you were waiting for me to say, I am deserving of love. And I just was like, gritted it through my teeth yes. I'm deserving of love yes. and that was like a message that really came through very strongly for me at the end of my journey and um, yeah so that was and, and then also just to not judge myself mm. and then also really just the amount of energy that we exert through these emotions mm. um, was was a lot. Mm. And so that was profound for mm. me to recognize, oh, well, I'm sitting in this anxiety just to really mm. feel that the weight and the heaviness mm. of that when my when I my conscious was removed. Mm. Right. And I just I, I felt this deep sense of emptiness. So that mm. was Amazing. Beautiful. And lastly, what do you know to be true in this present moment? Mm. That's a tough question. It's a good question. Yeah, I, I know to be true that, you know, we have many lives that were reborn. I've experienced and remembered many past lives through my work on the medicines. So that was a that was a big thing for me. Um, I also know it to be true that behind everything is unconditional love literally everything you know to even horrific things that happen in the world like behind it all is unconditional love um and that's what our higher self really is and that part of us that's god is really unconditional love and that's that same paternal or maternal love that you'll feel in the medicine in that space when you're just like in love you're like wow god is love you know that's what god is so behind it all is unconditional love And finally, I would say another thing I know that is real is karma. Everything comes back. So in some shape or form, and it's like there's mathematical codes in the universe for every action. So every action you take, you know, there is a a cause and effect and a consequence. So if you just kind of put love out there as best as you can in everything that you express yourself in, that's what's going to come back. But if you put, you know, hate and bitterness and jealousy and all these lower self energies, you know, that's what the universe is going to bounce back for you to learn in this life or the next. So just be good, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. You're this welcome. This is an amazing pleasure. conversation. I appreciate you. Likewise. And the work that you're doing. Seriously, from the, the bottom of my heart, it's a sincere thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that. It's great to be seen. Yay.